Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get podcasts. I'm Kai Wright, host of WNYC's podcast, The United States of Anxiety. This season, we're focusing on gender and power, themes that are upending the 2018 elections. On the Politics Brief podcast from WNYC, you get the best of our political coverage with segments from my show, as well as from The Takeaway, The Brian Lehrer Show, and On the Media, plus local reporting on New York and New Jersey races from our award-winning newsroom. Welcome to Politics Brief from WNYC. You're listening to WNYC. After NPR's special coverage, we go back to regular programming. This is the Brian Lehrer Show. Filling in for Brian today, I'm Juan Manuel Benitez, the host of Pura Politica on New York One Noticias and the co-host of the New York One podcast of Topic on Politics. The U.S. Senate just voted 51 to 49 to advance the nomination of Judge Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court, paving the way to the for, for a confirmation vote to happen as early as tomorrow. One Republican senator voted no, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. One Democrat voted yes, Joe Manchin of West Virginia. Listeners, we'd like to know your thoughts and hear how you feel about all this. You can call us at 212-433-WNYC. That's 212-433-9692. And so we can understand a little better what just happened and what's next. We have Jennifer Bendery, senior politics reporter at HuffPost. Jennifer, welcome to the, to WNYC. Hello, thanks for having me. Jennifer, for all those who might be listening and might be a little confused about this cloture vote in the Senate that just happened, can you tell us a little bit uh, about what just happened in in the U.S. Senate? Yes. Um, What you really need to know is this was just a procedural step for moving forward with Brett Kavanaugh's nomination. So this is not the final vote. It's not necessarily an indicator of how the final vote will be. It's just a procedural step. But what is notable about it is, number one, this is the first time the Senate in full has voted on Brett Kavanaugh at all. So it's some indication of where people are. And the second thing to note, and something I'm still in shock about, is that Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, a Republican, just voted no on this procedural step. Now, that might not sound that big of a deal, but this is going to be a razor-thin vote on on Brett Kavanaugh in the end. And the fact that she just voted no on the procedural step, never mind the final vote, shows that she is a solid no on Brett Kavanaugh, which we did not know before. She's been the most difficult senator to figure out where she stands on Mm -hmm. him. And the fact that she just did this vote, I am in shock right now. So it's really interesting because you're saying that Murkowski voted no, so that would mean that Tomorrow, if the vote, the final confirmation vote happens tomorrow, she'll be voting no again. But for those senators who voted yes today, that doesn't necessarily imply that they will vote yes tomorrow when the confirmation vote happens. That's correct. In in other words, a no vote is a no vote. Okay. Uh (laughs) But 
a yes vote is not necessarily a yes vote. Um, so th- the main thing to keep in mind is what we learned just now from this procedural step is that, number one, Lisa Murkowski is all but certain to be a no on Brett Kavanaugh, mm-hmm. which we did not know before. That's a very big deal. What we also just learned is that the other three wavering senators just voted yes to move forward, so that kind of keeps them in limbo. Mm-hmm. And finally, what we learned now is the math. If now that we know that Lisa Murkowski is a no vote, it will take two of the three wavering senators to vote no in order to bring down Kavanaugh's nomination. So that's mm-hmm. there's Senator Susan Collins, a Republican, mm-hmm. Senator Jeff Flake, a Republican, and Senator Joe Manchin, the Democrat. Those three are the three now that it comes down to for mm-hmm. Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation, essentially. So two of them have to vote no tomorrow in the final vote in order to tank this nomination. So all eyes will be on those three. Mm-hmm. And you say two of them, um, people like doing the math in their heads might be thinking, but wait, that two of them, that, that would put the number to 51. How about 50? And it's because if there's a tie in the Senate, uh, Vice President Mike Pence would break that tie, correct? That's correct. And that, that sounds a little dramatic that you have to haul in the vice president to, you know, get a Supreme Court nominee confirmed. Mm-hmm. But it happens. I mean, this, is, this also happened with, for example, with Betsy DeVos, the education mm-hmm. secretary. When she got her confirmation vote, it was tied 50-50 because she had a lot mm-hmm. of opposition. And so Mike Pence had to come in and break that tie. So that is absolutely possible with Brett Kavanaugh. And we might know uh, the result of uh, what we're talking about even a little later today because Susan Collins of Maine, the senator, one of the senators that you were talking about, she was still trying to decide whether to vote yes or no. Uh, She said that she she was going to announce her vote at 3 p.m. today, correct? Yes. It feels a bit like a rose ceremony, doesn't it? it? Why would you set a time to announce? your right. how you're going to vote why not just tell us right now so yes we, susan collins at three o'clock will be announcing mm-hmm. how she plans to vote on brett kavanaugh so that is that is basically what we're all watching today over here in dc we're watching that mm-hmm. three o'clock announcement i i honestly don't know what she's going to say it's it's right. that up in the air except what i do know is that susan collins and lisa murkowski often want to vote together uh-huh. They they give each other cover on tough votes. They did this on the Affordable Care Act vote when the two of them voted with John McCain to mm-hmm. to prevent Obamacare from being repealed. Um, so I know that they really don't want to split their votes from each other. And what we also know now is that Murkowski is a no. So there's certainly uh, an inclination by Collins to to stick with Murkowski on this, but that would be... Mm-hmm. That's sort of uh, against what people in the Capitol building have been speculating about Susan Collins, which is that she would be a yes vote. So there's all kinds of guessing games going on. And I think at last we'll get some clarity from her this afternoon. Yes. Uh, so let's take some uh, some callers. Um, Jim in Rockland County, New York. Uh, Jim, welcome to the Brian Lair Show. Uh, good morning. I'm just concerned uh, with Lisa Murkowski. She voted on the cloture, or no, no, of course, but on the uh, decision in chief on um, uh, Judge Kavanaugh, she might decide to vote And then she say, can say, well, I did try, but the force was against me, the momentum was against me. And she gets to head deeply on this. Murkowski is very concerning as all of the uh, proposed no votes. 
That's uh, that's an interesting uh, thought. Um, Jennifer, do you think that she might be saying, like, listen, I tried to stop the advance advancement of the confirmation vote, uh, but I couldn't, so now I'm going to vote yes? No, that doesn't really happen. If anything, usually you'll see the opposite, where you'll see somebody vote yes on this cloture vote, this procedural step, and then vote no in the end. And the reason for that is because, at a minimum, senators like to project that they are voting to help the process move along. So by voting for cloture, that is what some senators would argue is this is me voting to support the process, you know, support the Senate procedures for doing this, but this is not, this is not mm -hmm. the same thing as my vote in the end on confirmation. So I think it's safe to say that, that Lisa Murkowski voting no on this procedural step means she's a no in the end. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were saying earlier that, uh, you know, Susan Collins uh, giving us her final uh, decision at 3 p.m., we're still like almost four hours away of that decision or the announcement of that decision. What do you think is going to happen in the next uh, four hours? Are maybe senators going to be calling her uh, to convince her to vote yes or no? What's happening behind the scenes? Because I'm sure in the next 24 hours or whenever this vote is supposed to happen, the final confirmation vote, uh, maybe tomorrow, I'm sure a lot of a lot of senators are promising stuff to other senators or the White House is trying to promise something or give give something to senators that are wavering so they vote yes. What's what's happening behind the scenes? It is pretty intense right now behind the scenes. I mean, even after this procedural vote just happened, you could Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins were seen whispering and talking to each other on the Senate floor. If only you could be a fly on the wall and listen to what they were saying right then, uh, because this is the this is the crunch time. This is the big moment. Um, you know, outside of the the Senate right now, there's protesters mm -hmm. with signs and uh, opposing Judge Kavanaugh. Right across the street at the Supreme Court, there are protesters gathering to oppose Brett Kavanaugh. So there's this energy kind of around the Senate, anyways. And then when you come inside, it's just tense because the vote is going to be so close. And it's been such a terrible, heated, painful debate around this confirmation that it's just I think people are worn out. And there's so much pressure on this hand, these handful of senators now that everybody's watching Susan Collins and Jeff Flake and Joe Manchin. So mm -hmm. you can feel it in the air. It's just People just want to know how they're going to vote because it would just put an end to this. You're listening to the Politics Brief Podcast. We'll be right back after a break. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex. Of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts. Let's hear from Aura in North Carolina. Aura, welcome to the Brian Lehrer Show. Hi, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm actually, I'm a professor, and um, this is the one, one of the very few times that my students have been talking about the political scene in class, in my classes. One of my classes is crime and called Crime and Punishment. Mm -hmm. um, in any case, 
I, I've been sort of veering between being extremely distraught over the last week and, and then, but also being hopeful because we are actually having this discussion. Now I have to admit, I feel very, very depressed. And, um, I just, I don't, I, I welcome any comments on what we can do to protest this confirmation, which I think is, has, has already, is inevitable. I think he will be confirmed tomorrow. Thank you. I'll take my answer off of the air. So, so do you think, or what is it? Oh, sure. Would you would you want uh, people to protest? Do you how? What do you think would make you feel better at this moment? Um, I mean, I think I think that we should really take to the streets. I mean, I know that after I went to the women's march um, after Trump, you know, I, I drove up from North Carolina to the women's march, and I know that didn't really. It didn't really do anything, <laughs> but um, I think I, I'm, I guess I'm hoping for a p potential impeachment or something. I don't know. I mean, but, you know, I, but then then a part of me thinks that that won't, you know, I, I don't know. I just it's just it's hard. It's like the entrenchment of the this, you know, of, of white entitled patriarchal oppression, essentially. And and it seems it seems really hard to challenge that or um Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, sorry. I know I sound a bit incoherent. No, no, I'm, that's that's uh, yeah, that's good. Thank yeah. you, Aura. Thank okay, you. Thank you. And Jennifer, Bye -bye. do you think that the, the way she feels, our uh, um, Aura, our listener, is is something that you are experiencing in in Washington D.C. and around the Senate? Absolutely. There is. I mean, there's a, a there's a sense of this. You know, you just see all these older white men running the Senate Judiciary Committee and plowing through with this nominee who you could objectively say blew it in his confirmation hearing. I mean, never mind if you're a Republican or a Democrat. If you watch Brett Kavanaugh's performance in his, uh, his confirmation hearing, his, there's a thing that we, you know, people like to honor called judicial temperament. It's about being patient and open-minded and, and reasonable and level-headed, and, and we all watched Brett Kavanaugh lose his mind. He was shouting, he was crying, he was interrupting senators on the, on the committee. He challenged one senator and asked her if she had ever gotten drunk to the point of blacking out, which, mm -hmm. you, it's like a job interview, you don't do that. So, so there's certainly uh, a feeling here that, okay, That was not what we would like to see in a, in a candidate for a lifetime seat on the United States Supreme Court. And there's also the, the sense that, you know, he started throwing out some partisan, very blatantly partisan arguments about why people were um, accusing him of sexual misconduct. I mean, he mentioned the Clintons and bitterness about the Clintons, and that's fueling people trying to bring him down. And that's another thing you don't want to see in a, a, mm -hmm. a, a nominee to a lifetime seat on the Supreme Court. So add to that that it's a whole panel of older white guys deciding that he's perfect for the job, steamrolling, you know, everybody else. And now they've, they've got him on the floor. And you, it does, I certainly, I hear from women all the time, my, my personal friends, from readers, um, people who I don't know, just reaching out during this debate to tell me how devastating it's been for them to watch the way these, these senators have handled Uh, a woman who came forward and, mm -hmm. and talked about what happened to her. And uh, I think, 
I think that that to this to your caller's last point, though, it does. I can understand how it can feel very depressing and hopeless, and like this is a done deal. But I would say that on one on the one hand, if you do want to do something, it sounds cliche, but people should reach out to their senators and right. and reach out to their local elected officials. I mean, that's that actually matters when it's your elected official. Right. But I also at this at this moment, maybe I'm I'm you know, out of the conventional wisdom here, but I am not convinced this is a done deal. Okay. I think it will be close either way, but I do not think that, that they have that the votes. Anything in can moment. happen in the next 24 hours. So let's hear from Peter in Huntington. Peter, welcome to the Brian Lair Show. Uh, thank you so much. My question for your guest is I'm wondering her opinion on this release of this Wall Street Journal uh, op-ed from Leland, her I guess, potential corroborator that couldn't corroborate anything, who said that she's been pushed now from the from Democratic operatives to try to change her, her story. Does she think that now will have any effect one way or the other, or is, is this just a done deal? Well, Jennifer, you don't think it's a done deal? Uh, I think so. I haven't read that piece, but I, I did hear about it. Uh, I, honestly, at this stage here on Friday late morning, uh, I don't think that I don't know that that would sway senators to vote a certain way that they aren't already leaning right now. Um, that said, it there's been so many people who have come forward and so many articles and letters written that involve people who you know knew no Dr. Ford or knew Brett Kavanaugh who have a story they want to share. That I my sense is that here in the Senate that. A lot of senators are overwhelmed with information and are actually missing missing stories and details that would probably help further shape their their decisions. I mean, for example, when uh, when Dr. Ford said that she had three people who could, you know, she had affidavits signed by people mm-hmm. who could talk about, you know, their memories of their time in high school with Dr. Ford and with Brett Kavanaugh around and. Uh, we, I had a colleague yesterday who went around asking senators about those affidavits and if they count for something. And some of the senators at this stage said that they did not remember those affidavits and that maybe they didn't read them or maybe they did, but they can't remember. And, you know, having three people sign an affidavit to, to mm-hmm. back you up when you're alleging that somebody sexually assaulted you and tried to rape you, I mean, that affidavits count for something, but there's just such a swarm of details and people and letters and it, it's just it's hard it's hard for i think people in the senate to you know channel that all into one digestible decision you know let's hear from amanda amanda in portland maine amanda welcome to the brown layer show hi so uh, basically i just moved to portland um over the summer from brooklyn and um i I guess like the the sort of mental space that I'm in right now is so intense because in New York I always knew where my senators stood and maybe I didn't love them or hate them or whatever but you know I always knew their they I knew what they believed and I have been calling Senator Collins and emailing her and just you know feeling in such a panic to feel like I have her ear and it's very frustrating and sort of terrifying to just have no idea what she's going to do and feel that I'm in this place where this one person sort of is going to change the balance of power in our country it's it's kind Mm -hmm. of stunning (laughs) 
Thank you, Amanda. And Jennifer, that's a, a good point because you were talking about all the men in the Judiciary Committee, but now we're talking about maybe the, the, the fate of this confirmation is uh, at the hands of two uh, female senators, uh, Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. So two women have the key uh, to confirm or sink this nomination. Well, it, that's that's often the case that it does come down to Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins. But in this case, it's actually not just down to the two of them, because you've got a couple. You've got Joe Manchin, who's a Democrat, who is unclear how he's going to vote in the end. So mm -hmm. it would take him also voting no, plus those two female Republican senators to bring mm -hmm. this down. But certainly, Susan Collins is at the center of this, and I understand the, your, the this caller's anguish over this because she has really dragged out her uncertainty, which honestly maybe is legitimate. She's maybe legitimately struggling all the way up until the end on how to do this, but she's going to announce today what her vote is, and I, at that point at least we'll have some clarity on where she stands, and I think that she has absolutely been hearing from her constituents back home uh, that you know are very upset about this nomination. So that's that's if this last caller wasn't able to get through to Susan Collins, I hope mm -hmm. that she is aware that that many people have because I've heard all about it just working here. And Jennifer, even though we don't know what the final vote is going to be in the next few hours and in the in the next days, uh, we do know that from now on the confirmation uh, process of Supreme Court justices in the U.S. Senate. Um, that process it has changed forever. Would you agree? I mean, I don't know if I want to be like forever. It feels very dramatic. But I do think that that right now is a terrible moment for the Supreme Court confirmation process. We we just watched a brutal Supreme Court hearing or confirmation hearing with Dr. Ford's testimony and Brett Kavanaugh's outbursts and you just see Republicans, so many of these, these older white male Republicans, just not caring and just wanting to p confirm this guy anyway. And it feels very partisan and it feels like it's very disrespectful to women. And it's, you just, there's all these components to it that don't feel like it's a just, fair process. So I, I think that if Brett Kavanaugh gets through, I think that that leaves the, the Supreme Court a bit tainted by this process, which is unfortunate because this is the court we all look up to as the top, and we look to them for the ultimate decisions that affect our country. So Kavanaugh's confirmation makes the Supreme Court toxic. It makes it suddenly feel more political. It taints the Senate process because there's all kinds of problems with the way they've done this. And it, it taints the, the White House for, for trying to push through this guy regardless of all of this. And the president himself was, was just mocking uh, Dr. Ford a couple days ago, mocking mm -hmm. her story about being sexually assaulted. So everything feels pretty dirty right now. It is, it is a very low point, I, I would say, in our federal government. And it's, I, I, you know, I hope that the people in power can learn from this and try to pre you know, prevent this from happening mm -hmm. like this again, because it's just it's depressing and it's disappointing. We have to leave it there. We've been talking to Jennifer Bendery, senior politics reporter for Half Post. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Politics Brief. If you want more, go to wnyc.org/slash/election.